This is CliffCentral.com. This is my get up and go song. Like when I'm having a bad day, when I know I'm going to have a tough day, when I know life is going to be like hard and sucky for me. Bob Marley makes everything better. I'm Pumima Shekho. It's five past 12. Is it five? It's two minutes past 12 and you're listening to Womandla. It is the last Wednesday of January. Finally. <sighs> How long has this month been? How long has this bloody year been? It's been a long, 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 long year. And (laughs) I I also have lots of things happening to me here in the studio. And this is that year. I think this is that year. And so I decided today is going to be that day that I'm just going to slow it down a little bit. I'm going to be playing some of my favorite tunes that are going to keep us going for the rest of the year. I'm going to slow it down and we're, we're going to have some girl chat. Um, because this year kind of got going at a, at like a crazy rapid pace. You know, we got all lit up at the very beginning of this year with like no chill on social media, especially not on black Twitter. And it was, it, it all started out so crazy and South Africa's racial babalas is all like, it's still ringing in all our heads and all the forecasts, everybody's doomy and gloomy. The rand is at all time low. There's Jay Z on the other side. We don't know what he's doing. Is he going to pay back the money? Is he withdrawing his fingers? What's happening? The elections coming up. My worst, the elections coming up means you can't turn on the TV, you can't turn on the radio, and sometimes you can't even drive down Grayston without having like politicians everywhere shoving their like election camp- campaigning the politicians and their minions everywhere trying to get us to vote for them. And then, and then, uh, this is my favorite time of the year, it's award season. Every other week on TV, we're listening, we're watching the awards. It's the Academy Awards coming up, the Golden Globes, the Emmys, award season, right? And we're going to watch award season this year without Joan Rivers. I don't know what I'm going to do about that red carpet. But I think the the award season have kind of um, been taken over this year by kind of calls for diversity or the lack thereof. And A lot of people are wondering why, why is there so much like hype and there's stuff all over the internet and why is it so important to have diversity? Why everybody is crying about different actors? And, and I thought I'm going to do a little, um, compile a little montage for you girls. If you haven't seen it, I'm, I'm sharing with you the, the why, why it's so important, why it's so important to have so much diversity, why, and, and one of my favorite speeches of all time, I remember this, I was very young, um, Hoopy Goldberg back then was one of my favorite actresses and she won for Ghost. She played with Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze and she was like a crazy um, psychic, like a con psychic in the film and she won for Best Supporting Actress. And it was amazing. Denzel Washington was amazing giving her the award in 1991. And 
her award acceptance speeches. I'm playing a whole lot of awards acceptance speeches to to make you understand why actresses and actors and directors and everybody's complaining about diversity in Hollywood. This is Hopi Goldberg when she won her acceptance speech. Ever since I was a little kid, I've wanted this. You don't know. <laughs> My brother's sitting there, he says, thank God we don't have to listen to anymore. You can do it now. My mom's home, everybody's watching. I have to thank the people at Paramount. I have to thank Jerry Zucker for taking the time he took before he decided to use me. Because it, it meant he was sure that it was for me. I had to thank Patrick Swayze, who was a stand-up guy, and went to them and said, I want to do it with her. I want to thank Demi. I want to thank everybody who makes movies. I come from New York. As a little kid, I lived in the projects. And you're the people I watched. You're the people wanted, made me want to be an actor. I'm so proud to be here. I'm proud to be an actor. And I'm going to keep on acting. And thank you so much. It's the faces we watch on TV that make us be who we want to be or know what we want to be like. And if we don't have diversity, we never see people like us. We never know that we can do it too. We can be awesome. We can be amazing. And when Hoopy Goldberg said that, it didn't shake things up all that way back then in 1991. But in 2002, like 10 years later, Haley Berry won for being the lead. And that was amazing. I mean, she couldn't stop crying. And her acceptance speech was... beside me, Jada Pinkett, Angela Bassett, Vivica Fox, and it's for every nameless, faceless woman of color that now has a chance because this door tonight has been opened. I know she was so awesome. You can't see her crying. But every time I watch that speech, I'm just like, oh, my goodness. She's so beautiful, even when she's crying. (laughs) But her speech about opening that door, when she won that Oscar in 2002, when she won that Oscar in the 
like 86 year history of the Oscars, no black woman had won for a leading actor ever. There'd been nominations, 10 nominations, actually 10 nominations. And this year is their 88th year. In 88 years, there've been 10 nominations and only one black female actress who's won. And it's, it makes us sad, but it also makes us proud to know that we can do it. And there's, there's a very real reason why this is so important. And last year, last year, who can forget Gorgeous Lupita? Who can forget Gorgeous Lupita in that blue dress when she went up for her role in 12 years as a slave? Um, and the most important part of her acceptance speech, I think, will always remain. Thank my family uh, for your training. <laughs> and the Yale School of Drama as well for your training. Uh, my friends, the Wilsons, this one's for you. My, my brother, Junior, sitting by my side. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're my best friend, and Ben, my other best friend, my chosen family. <laughs> when I look down at this golden statue, may it remind me and every little child that no matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. Thank you. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. Still my favorite quote of all time of people that have won the Oscars. And it's like, it's, it's a big thing. People go, oh, it's just the Oscars. Is it, is it really such a big thing? But it's good to see ourselves in the films. And more importantly, I mean, an Oscar nomination gives an artist's career the boost. I mean, those roles you only get, you get the money comes with it. The financial gain, the boost to your career is absolutely amazing. And for a very, very long time, that was always, always, always just left to the white guys. Even the black girl, even the white girls don't get much of that sunshine. But making those films and, and the real reason why a lot of people don't even get nominated is because the films are just not being made. And I think one of the most controversial awards acceptance speeches by a black woman of all time was Viola Davis last year. She won the Emmy, one of my favorites. We're going to be talking about it again later in the show, How to Get Away with Murder. And she won first time um, nomination and again, actress in a leading role. In my mind, I see a line. And over that line, I see green fields and lovely flowers and beautiful white women with their arms stretched out to me over that line. But I can't seem to get there, no how. I can't seem to get over that line. That was Harriet Tubman in the 1800s. And let me tell you something. The only thing that separates women of color from anyone else is opportunity. You cannot win an Emmy for roles that are simply not there. So here's to all the writers, the awesome people that are Ben Sherwood, Paul Lee, Peter Nowak, Shonda Rhimes, people who have redefined what it means to be beautiful, to be sexy, to be a leading woman, to be black. 
and to the Taraji P. Hensons, the Kerry Washingtons, the Halle Berrys, the Nicole Baharis, the Megan Goods, to Gabrielle Union, thank you for taking us over that line. Thank you for the Television Academy. Thank you. Gorgeous, gorgeous black girl. I've got a friend with me in the studio and she's looking at me with puppy dog eyes. It's not just in acting that women don't get what they want. <laughs> but in acting, it's more pronounced. I think it's the one thing we see more than anything else. And why does diversity even matter so much? Well, to me, it matters because I'm a black girl. So diversity matters to me because it means I get opportunities. Um, but I think... Better than anybody else. The one person who said it better than anybody else is every feminist current like crush of note. I don't even know how to say his name. I'll be able to say his name in, a th- in about 13 weeks when, when my French lessons kick in. But the Canadian Prime Minister, the Canadian Prime Minister, so cute and so amazing. One of the first things he did, is, uh, Trudeau. Justin Trudeau, I think his last name is. Um, He was in Davos last week, in the freezing cold Davos, um, like all other financial policymakers from around the world. And he sat on a panel with Sheryl Sandberg. We love Sheryl. She of the mighty Facebook, CEO of the mighty Facebook. And they sat on a panel about gender parity. Every year Davos comes around in January and every year there's lots of talk about diversity there's lots of talk about why we need to give women a chance and it's always women sitting on this panel last year we were very proud our very own Pumzilem Lambonuka was sitting on the panel and she was amazing um and this year he was there and he's been speaking a lot I mean I see so many on Facebook on on Twitter, on Washington Post, on New York Times, on Huffington. I see so many clips of him saying all these amazing things about why he believes that diversity in his cabinet. The first thing he did when he came into his cabinet is he made his cabinet 50% women, 50% men, 15 men, 15 women, 30 people in the Canadian parliament. And my favorite is when they asked him why. And he was like, "Uh, because it's 2015. Just... Boom, it's 2015 and you need to like have. And for him, you, and when I was reading this, um, the transcript after Davos, and for him, he says, you know, more than anything else, the diversity just, it helps decision making, decision making in parliament, decision making. And this is a quick little one minute of his stint on the panel. Uh, one of the things, like, I'm uh, incredibly proud uh, to have a partner in my wife Sophie, who is uh, extremely committed to women and girls' issues. But she uh, is, you know, we're of a like mind on, and I agree with her on on that. And and I've been very thoughtful about how we raise our daughter. Uh, but she caught me. Yeah, or she took me aside a few months ago and said, okay, uh, it's great that you're engaged and modeling to your daughter that you want her empowered and everything, but you need to take as much effort to talk to your sons, my eight-year-old boy and my two-year-old, so a little young still, uh, about how he treats women and how uh, he is going to be growing up to be a feminist just like dad. And by the way, we shouldn't be afraid of the word feminist. Yeah. Men and women mm-hmm. should use it to describe themselves <laughs> anytime they want. But that, 
that role we have uh, as men in supporting and demanding equality and demanding a shift uh, is really, really important. We shouldn't be working towards equality just because it's the right thing. We exactly. should do it because it's the smart thing. Mm. So from a company point of view or an organizational point of view, if you can use the full talents of the workforce, you're going to outperform. So whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're the most entry-level employee trying to outperform or the CEO, if you engage and really build diverse teams, you're going to outperform. So do it because it's going to help you. Do it because it's going to help you. So my friend Taryn is sitting here and she works um, on women empowerment. She does a lot of talks. Kana, what was your MBA about? My thesis. Yes. Mindfulness. <laughs> Mindfulness. And you work in a tough environment. You work in, in IT. Mm. I don't know how you're going to marry like mindfulness in the IT space. Are you working on artificial intelligence? <laughs> but come, come, up, come up to the mic. Come up to the mic. All right. I love the fact that it says we should all describe ourselves as feminists. Everybody should be a feminist because it's the smart thing to do. Mm. You work a lot with women in in the workplace and opportunity and giving women um, a chance to get ahead, especially in, in an environment like IT where everyone thinks like IT gigs are guys. Mm. What are some of the biggest challenges that you think women have to overcome in the workplace? So firstly, you know, when we, when we speak to the men in our business and we throw out the word feminist to them, we say, you know, what comes to mind? When I say there goes a feminist, what do you see? <laughs> and, you know, the, the bra hairy armpits. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we try and encourage them to, to say to people, you know, when they say, are you a feminist? They, their responses isn't everybody. Um, so that's kind of a little slogan we have at work. Um, and yeah, some of the biggest challenges, I guess, are they're, they're external and they're internal, right? So externally, you've got like patriarchal society, you've got legacy, but then internal is really, you know, empowering yourself and understanding, you know, what are the stereotypes out there? What are the assumptions we make and do we perpetuate them? Maybe we can change them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we don't go out there trying to change the world. We try and inspire women in, you know, in the IT industry, in ICT to, to rather start with themselves and we've seen amazing things happen <laughs> amazing things indeed so i saw this article and and when i when i saw it i thought geez first of all i've been wondering why everybody in america is like freaking out about the storm i was in russia last year around this time it was freaking cold there was like everywhere there was snow like you couldn't go anywhere without snow now i can't find my article and <laughs> the blizzard in washington last week was one of the and this was one of the funniest things I've ever read actually how almost half of the people in um in the senate didn't show up and the only people that did show up after the blizzard for work were the women <laughs> and and the the article was just in in the in the Washington post was really about because women just show up, you know, so what? It's knowing we have to do the work. And all the guys were like wimping out at home. And one of the things about, and you would know this, um, Taryn, one of the biggest things about women in the workplace and one of the biggest things that's been a barrier to women pro- succeeding in the workplace has always been about the fact that women also have this big other job, which is like being a mother, which is being a wife, which is, and even though the, Everybody sees you as the CEO, but when you come home, people are like, uh, I'm hungry. 
Uh, there's no. <laughs> when my mom, there's, no, there's nothing in the fridge. Come up, my <laughs> Totally. And, and one of the biggest things is always about juggling. Juggling the, the three biggest parts of being a woman, being a mom, being a wife, being in the workplace. And men don't have to do that. For you, working with women and kind of in an environment that's largely male-dominated, which means the way that the working hours are, people just don't care. You know, they don't care if the kids have to be fished from school. They don't care if there was homework, if someone was sick all night. They don't care. They still want you to, to perform to the same standards. How do you deal with juggling the life part of work with the women you work with? Mm. So first, I mean, I would like to give a shout out to the guys that actually work, you know, at our company and in our industry, because what we found is that it's not only maternity policies that need to be beefed up, it's paternity policies. And we see a lot of kind of co-parenting out there. And the women that suffer the most, myself included, are the ones that have partners who aren't enabled to help out. You know, so for the guys at work, if they're like, listen, I want to go watch my little girl's ballet recital or I want to go watch the, the soccer game, they, they, it's frowned upon, you know, to, to leave the office where it's a little bit easier for us. It's a little bit easier to say to our boss, listen, I need to take my little one here and there, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the first place we kind of targeted was paternity policies and co-parenting policies because I think the, the saying's kind of turning around. You know, it's not really behind every great woman behind every great man there's a great woman it's actually behind every great woman there's an amazing partner mm. so so that's kind of our angle personally i guess with juggling it all i think you just got to manage your guilt eh you got to do what's right for you you got to do what's right for your family and you've got to yeah you've just got to get the conversations with yourself right because i think with women it starts with us it starts with the conversation we have with yourself i'm not doing enough my kid i'm not giving my kids enough i'm not giving my partner enough my meals aren't good enough i don't know where does it stop i know mm-hmm. and one of the best things i did for myself this past holiday was um taking the time out to read a little bit it's been so hard reading over the past and Everybody's been talking about Shonda Rhimes. She owns Thursday nights in America. She's got, you know, she. if you watch Grey's Anatomy or you watch Scandal or you watch, what's Scandal called again in South Africa? The Fixer, The Fixer. Um, or you watch How to Get Away with Murder or you, I saw something else the other day on TV and she was one of the co-writers. An old thing. Oh, 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 the Princess Diaries, that film, you know, that film with the girls, like, anyway. And she is amazing. But you never, ever used to see her anyway. I'd never seen a picture of Shonda. You'd never seen interviews with her because she was like this deeply private person. And last year she had this book come out called The Year of Yes. And it's about her life. And it's about how she... um Find how she was deeply shy and finally accepted, you know, took a challenge from her sister and said she was going to say yes to everything for a year. Yes to all the invitations. Yes to yes. She was just going to, she was not going to say no, which is apparently her default position. And in her book, she has an amazing, and, and the first thing is she writes a disclaimer. It's an amazing book and it's so funny. It's written exactly like you hear the characters. You hear the characters of all these TV shows through her as she's writing. And one of the things that that she talks about is she talks about her nanny. And the number of times 
she's been asked by reporters how she juggles it all. So she's a single mother um, and of three kids, I think three kids and and then has this big job and she's executive producer i know that's what i thought crazy chick crazy chick they've stopped while she was winning she's got all these shows she's got a big production company that she runs and she's the executive producer and she's writing and and then she's also got three kids and i'm gonna read the accent a little excerpt about about her nanny a whole chapter in her book about her nanny who she calls like the Navy SEAL. And first, the nanny's name is also Jenny McCarthy. Like, what's his name's wife? And first I thought, Jenny McCarthy is a nanny? It took me a while. Sorry, I was being slow. I was on holiday. And, 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 and she writes, I cannot count the number of times some nice reporter has placed a little battered silver recorder in front of my face, flicked it on, and with a kind smile asked me what I call big questions. And the big questions. How do you manage work and home? What tips do you have for working moms? And what's my secret to finding balance in a busy world? I get asked the big questions in almost every single interview. I do. I hate the big questions. I hate being asked the big questions almost as much as I hate being asked the diversity question. Why is diversity so important? Which ranks for me as one of the dumbest questions on the face of the earth. Right up there with why do people need food and air? And why should women be feminists? As much as I hate the big questions, I don't want to be rude to the very nice reporters who ask. I don't think the questions mean any harm in posing. I don't think the reporters mean any harm in posing the questions. I think people genuinely wonder. It's just that before this year of yes, I genuinely didn't know what to say. So I'd find myself smiling at the reporters and giving a lot of different odd answers. Why, Jane, I manage with a lot of organization and a label maker. I do laundry at night. <laughs> I know, right? Laundry at night. Gosh, dang it, Bill. I've started meditating on a regular basis. Yeah, right. Late night laundry is the cure to, is not the cure to getting three kids up and dressed, working 12 hour days, making calls to my kids' tutor, scheduling doctor's appointments, play days, and on an only 10 minute break, and then come home to find my one year old finally walked and I missed it. I know that's every working mother's nightmare. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, and she talks about giving yourself the permission to, to say it's OK. It's OK that I don't do everything. It's OK that I've got nannies. It's OK that I've got you know, I've got people doing the other things for me. I do what I'm good at, which is writing, which is working, which is, you know, being a fantastic uh, support in the workplace, being a producer, being a singer, being a Cliff Central presenter. <laughs> fantastic at that. <laughs> and I'm not so fantastic at the other stuff, so I've got help, which a lot of women kind of beat themselves up on. I thought one of the best ways to get over that, and it really is a thing, is it's such a thing for us girls. And this year is my year of saying, ha, it's okay, I've got help. I leave my kid at aftercare and sometimes I'm late to pick him up, but I still love him. It doesn't mean I love him any less. And so this song, which is one of my favorites, is dedicated to all those people that think that's terrible of me. This is CliffCentral.com. 
<laughs> Pumi Mashrego and and Duncan is harassing me on the other side here. I'm taking a chill pill. I'm slowing it down. This is my day. It's been a very long month, and I'm kind of if I'm gonna keep going for another eleven months, we're just I'm just gonna get it out there. All the things that are peeving me off about this year and moving forward. We were talking about why diversity is so important, why everybody should be a feminist, and why. I'm a little upset that Hollywood's not giving more opportunities to girls like me. But you know what? Complaining about it, bitching about it ain't going to do nothing. And while I was working a couple of days ago, I got a link from a friend of mine who's an uber feminist that I love very much. And she's always putting up incredibly positive links and things to read about and things to be awesomely excited about. And about this 11-year-old girl who... um obviously an American. I don't know how they like raise these kids up in America. I'm hoping that we can raise girls like this out here in South Africa as well. And she got tired of all the books that uh, in her, that were in her um, school, school reading list. And they're all about white boys. And she says they were all about white boys and their dogs. And she was just like, ah, the sucks. I need to read more about people that are like me. And she didn't just complain about it. She went home. She told her mom and her mom was like, what are you going to do? So she started and the hashtag is hashtag 1000 black girl books. And she started collecting books that have as the main character, black girls. And I saw this interview and I thought this We'll put a smile on your face, girls. Well, Sue was just excited about our next guest because our next guest is on a mission. And what makes it extra special is that she's only 11 years old. So her name is Marley Dias, and she is a force to be reckoned with. Uh, when this special little girl from New Jersey noticed that none of the books she was assigned to in her fifth grade reading class, they ever featured little girls that actually looked like her. So rather than complain, she decided to do something about it. With the help of her mother, she started a campaign called 1,000 Black Girl Books. So both Marley and her mom, Janice Johnson, are here with us now. Hi. Tell us about this. Hi, Marley. Boom. Oh, can I get one, too? Boom. Hi, Mom. Hi. You are just the cutest little thing. Thank you so much. So you love to read. Yes. Now, how long have you, have you loved to read? Are you always I, reading? Well, basically, when I was born, uh -huh. my, my mom, whoever came into the house, would have to read, like, seven books to me. So I've been reading for all my life. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that's, if I come to visit, I'm going to read a book. Yes. To you. Uh, so, Mom, you're from Jamaica, right? I am. But Marley was born in Philly. She was, yes. lives in New Jersey now. But did you name her after Bob Marley? I did. Oh. I did. I did. So her father is Cape Verdean, so he has dias. So I thought she needed something a little bit Jamaican to balance oh. it out. Okay. So. It is a nice balance. <laughs> well, and one of your f favorite books, you say, yes, says Bob Marley's name right on the front. Yeah, it's One Love. And it's by a Marley, so I really enjoy it a lot. And it's about basically taking the song and spreading love in your community. And since it's Grassroots Community Foundation is the foundation that helped me uh, use this project for my mom's foundation, I love the book a lot. Well, what made you decide to want to get books that look like you, with well, characters? Well, in my fifth grade class, we were only reading books about white boys and their dogs. And I understood <laughs> why my teacher wanted us to read those books, because those are the books he could connect with. But I didn't necessarily connect with them myself, so I was really frustrated. So I just started to have a book fund. My mom asked me what I wanted to do, and I told her I wanted to start a book drive for books that are more connected for me. Let me see some race. more of your favorites. I'll hold that one. Yes. Okay. We'll pass them along. The we'll pass so along. this book is Brown Girl Dreaming by Jacqueline Woodson. I got this when I was like 10. Yeah. Okay, let me see if so I can hold it up to yeah. the camera here. And it's about uh, Jim Crow laws and living in the North and the South in the 1960s and 70s. Wow. Okay. You know, you sound like a lot. Of, uh, when I was 11, I... <laughs>
I sound a lot like this. <laughs> well, Mom, how important was this for you? Because I remember when I was growing up, that was something that I dealt with, too. You know, seeing people that actually look like you in your books or even in the cartoons that you watch. So how important was it for you for her to have and see that? But, you know, I, I, I wish I could say that it was super important. In fact, she brought it to my attention because wow. what I told her is I grew up in Jamaica, mm -hmm. and this was not so much an issue for me. Mm -hmm. um, she's born in America, so she has a completely different context. So when she brought this to me, I was like, I didn't recognize that this was something that was really even challenging to her. So what is the purpose of the foundation and, so the, and the project? So the purpose of the foundation is to develop the health and well-being of young women and girls, particularly those who've grown up in poverty. And the project comes out of our super camp, our summer camp for African-American girls, and each girl has to engage in a social action. They have to use their talents to try to make the world a better place. What's Marley going to do? Marley is going to collect 1,000 books where black girls are the main characters. We're about 400, and we're going to donate them to a library in Jamaica in this really small rural place so that they have books that really reflect. And we're hoping to build a little library here in Philadelphia in conjunction with... I think, I think one of the things that for me was so exciting and so inspiring when I first saw this clip was, oh my goodness, this girl, she's only 11 years old and there she is collecting all of these books. And then when I heard that she was trying to collect a thousand books, I was astounded. I thought, are there a thousand books that actually are relevant for children that have as the main character a black girl? And the fact that she's already at 400, damn, it means they're there. And I'm living out here in South Africa where I am a majority and I didn't even know that there were this many books. And so I started doing a little bit of reading. One of my favorite things is comic books. I'm those people that still read comic books. And the resurgence of graphic novels has been something that's extremely exciting for me. And so I thought I'm going to share with you some. And I found a whole lot of comic books that actually uh, that came out this year that came out last year and and some have started coming out this year already um that are graphic novels by women and a lot of them are by women of color and through the woods is one of them and love it it's a horror novel um but it's a graphic novel and it's really cute and then lumberjanes about five friends um growing up in you know, kind of hardcore lady types. <laughs> That's what they're called, but they're like supernatural and they're really fun. And if you're looking for books that you can read, that you can read to your kids, uh, definitely Bee and the Puppycats. This one I really loved when I saw the review for this one because we watch Cartoon Network at our house and one of my, of the series that I see on Cartoon Network all the time that freaked me out, but it's actually very funny adventure time. And this comic book is a little bit like adventure time. But it's by a girl and it's geared at girls. Um, Nimona is another one, graphic novel that came out last year. And it's about shapeshifters and supervillains and slasher. And the hero of the story is a girl. Are You My Mother? Which is also one that was very highly awarded last year. Um, and it's, it's really, it's a, it's about a, it's a bit of a memoir. It's a graphic novel, but it's a bit of a memoir. The author and her relationship with her mother. So I've seen some of this girl's work and it's really amazing. Definitely do not give it a miss. If you've never read a graphic novel before and you don't know what to expect, it's a little bit like a storybook with amazing pictures. And the story is so it's, it's definitely better than the comic books that we read, like the, the, P 
Peanuts and Archie and Jughead kind of comic books. Definitely better than that. Much more intricate, much more sophisticated, but they still have pictures so you don't feel overwhelmed by the book that you're reading. Um, can't talk about something more plat, something more pleasant by Ross Chast is also a really great one and it's, it's about, um, her parents and their personalities and experiences and experience in examining how loving her parents um, made her the person that she is. And Adventures of Superhero Girl. If you ever wonder what it might be like to be a su- superhero, look no further than Faith Erin Hicks's eponymous heroine, Superhero Girl. Everybody knows and loves her brother, but she can't even keep her secret identity in check. This will have you in stitches. It's an incredibly, incredibly fun book to read. You can read it by yourself or you can read it with your kids. It's also you there are a lot of there are also lots of Eastern um girls writing books out here, writing these graphic novels. And these are a little bit like manga. If you've seen any of the manga on um Netflix or even in uh mainstream and Ranma, I think is what it's called. Rumiko Takahashi is the author of this one. And it is a wacky series which features characters cursed with shape-shifting abilities thanks to accidents featuring and involving Chinese hot springs. And it is martial arts. And uh, there's a girl who is an incredible, incredible character in these. So if you're looking to change the world, definitely... This is where you start. You start by the characters you're giving to your girls. You start by the books that you're reading at home. And you start by just encouraging the little things to make your daughter a little bit more feminist. This is my last song that I'm going to play today. And it's one of my favorites. And it's definitely um, about what you should be doing to change the world. You can't just sit there waiting. you got to do it. This is CliffCentral.com. I'm not waiting for the world to change. This is my year making this, definitely making uh, sure that my son grows up a feminist. I'm a hectic feminist and you should be too. All girls and all boys out in the world because it is the right thing to do. It's the smart thing to do, says Cheryl. Cheryl Sandberg. And... I'm Pumima Shekho and you're listening to Womandla. I'm slowing it down today. I'm slowing it down and I'm having my rant. I'm getting it out of the way. All the things that um, peeved me off about this this year, starting off on this incredible trot, driving me crazy. Um, but also the things that I'm looking forward to. I'm very much... So TV is one of my favorite things. I know you know that by now. And even though it's so far away, I am extremely excited about the new season of Game of Thrones. It's one of my favorite shows. It's one of the the few ensemble cast shows on TV that has got strong female characters. And all the men keep dying, which makes me like it it sucks. But really the the girls are um, absolutely magnificent on this show. And this year, this season coming up, I've read all the books and now I'm extremely, extremely irritated by the fact that 
the new seasons have absolutely nothing to do with the book. They, they've diverted from the book so much because the screenwriters couldn't wait for, um, they couldn't wait for the next installment of the book. So they went ahead and created their own endings going forward because the whole world is sitting here waiting for the next installment of the book. But it's coming up in April. On our screens right now, we played Viola Davis a little bit earlier on. Season two of How to Get Away with Murder. I haven't been able to tear myself away from that um, catch up screen. Every I can't, so I can't watch it on the day. I don't even know when it plays on the day, but I like to watch it on my own in the, like middle of the night. <laughs> watch the next episode and bank it to have three or two or three episodes before I watch what's happening on How to Get Away with Murder. This season is off the hinges and I think that everybody in the season is also gone a little bit off the hinges but I can't wait to see what happens in the season of how to get away with murder and every girl's favorite girl is she gonna live her happily ever after our Olivia I'm waiting waiting for that express from the US when the show comes back from there on currently on production break when they come back from their production break I can't wait to see what happens next. Olivia living in that White House or leaving the White House. Is she going to end up with Fitz? Ooh, definitely. There's so much good TV. That's the one thing that keeps me so happy as all the yapping from all the politicians, all the screaming on social media and watching TV via black Twitter. I'm excited. I, although I never know. I always feel like I get onto that like Twitter handle too late by the time I see it that there's a Twitter handle happening and things are trending on Twitter on black Twitter I'm like how these people the what what it's a oh it's a twirl it's not a twirl I don't even know why he's speaking to me on the other side here the, Duncan is not Duncan you're not part of this show are you a feminist no you're not part of this show <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he's saying now. His, his his mic is off. Your mic is off, Duncan. He's busy telling me about tours here and exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not too old to be talking about Twitter, no matter what you think. Thank you, Dunk. I have had a good time. I have had a definitely good time, and I'm feeling so much better. I think I have what it takes. I think I have the the fuel that it takes to carry on running for the rest of this year. Otherwise, I was going to have to write it off right off this year because it's worn me out all the things that have happened in the news all the things that are happening every day all the things all the bad news that everybody is forecasting and next month one of the things that i also can't wait for is my favorites the chinese horoscopes this is the year of the horse and i don't know what that means in the chinese year but i can't wait for the year of the horse and i hope as it started out on a gallop i hope that it doesn't run off with us this year but it is apparently a good luck um year and it's a year of romance and i don't know about white people if white people do this but it's a leap year this year and when i grew up in the township there was always this thing that on the on the 29th of february Every girl, if you were crushing on someone and they've never made the move on you, this is your year to make the move. I don't know if white people do it, and I can't see any of the white people to, to call them across to come talk to me. But this is the year, girls. If you're still single, this is your year to be the one that makes the move. It's 
a leap year this year. And next month is the month of love. Um, I think I'm going to do an anti-Valentine month next month. I have had an incredibly good time. Thank you for joining me today. And I'm going to sound off with one of my favorite remakes, a South African brother, absolutely amazing musician who has an incredible, incredible voice. His name is Tabum Luli. And this song is my last song before. And I can see outside the window here that the guys are here, Auto Central. And Duncan is a stickler, always telling me that I've got to get out of here in time and not waste their time. So I'm not running over into their time. My final song to you is don't forget to stop and smell the roses because it is still a wonderful, wonderful life. This is cliffcentral.com.